Support for Market Foolery comes from TurboTax Live. New from TurboTax, now you can get a personal review of your tax return with a CPA or EA right on your screen. Talk live with a tax expert as often as you need for tax advice to help you file with confidence. Go to TurboTaxLive.com/fool. All right, let's do this. It's Thursday, April fifth. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. We're finally going to get to the issue that a few of the dozens of listeners have been asking specifically for you and I to weigh in on, and that is, of course, the decision by a judge in California to besmirch the good name of coffee. And we'll get to that. We will get to that. But we've got uh, a couple of deals to start with first. And let's start with the movie industry. AMC Entertainment shares up a little bit this morning after AMC announced a deal to open 40 movie theaters in Saudi Arabia over the next five years. Maybe the most noteworthy thing about this is the fact that a new theater has not been, by anyone, has not been opened in Saudi Arabia in 35 years. So, good news for movie fans in Saudi Arabia, but this really seems like AMC Entertainment is playing into the global trend that we're seeing of movie theaters outside North America growing. Yeah, they have been growing by acquisition. Uh, they made some major acquisitions in 2016, I think. Uh, the Odeon uh, chain, which is uh, in, in England and, and elsewhere, and uh, they, they bought up some Nordic uh, chain recently in 2017, I think. And that is where the growth is, because uh, you're the only one that still goes to movies in a theater, I believe, in, the, in this country. Uh, it, you are the demographic in this room. Yeah, I'm the only one who goes. I, I, I love movies. It just doesn't happen anymore. Just don't go and spend uh, seventy five dollars to see a movie in a theater these days. I don't think tickets are quite up to seventy five dollars yet. Really? Not not quite. Wait yet. till the end of the year because I mean the inflation on those things is crazy. I mean it is pretty startling when you just sort of look at the U S. and Canada and ticket sales declining in those two countries. And literally everywhere else, it's on the rise. Yeah. I, well, the, the rest of the world still uh, is hungry for U.S.-made movies, of course. Uh, and theaters, uh, we know something about making a good movie theater or operating it. Or it, AMC, at least, is not going to give up. And, and where there is some growth to be had is outside of this country. And that's where they're pursuing it. Saudi, of course, is uncharted territory, really, because... Uh, of how they had been operating, and their things are loosening up there, which is great, I think, for the populace. Uh, you've got women driving now, which got lots and lots of headlines, uh, small a step as it may be, uh, but it is an indication of something that has needed to happen, and there are a lot of additional steps yet to come, uh, the movie theaters uh, being one of them. But I can remember being in the UAE, in Abu Dhabi specifically, when I had to work there uh, for a little while, about 25 years ago now, and there really weren't any movie theaters there either. Uh, there may have been one, um, but it didn't show foreign movies. So uh, that that has uh, also loosened up. Things are different in Dubai and had been, but th there are places in the Middle East that are 
going in this direction, and AMC is going to sink a chunk of money into building 20, 30 theaters. I'm just going to recommend that you see the movie Ready Player One on the big screen. I saw it last weekend. Great movie, very fun, highly enjoyable, and uh, it's it's one of those movies that's better on the big screen. Many are. I, I think that there are lots of movies that I would like to see on the big screen. There are some I'll see. The, the Han Solo movie coming out. I'm sure I'll see that big screen. Families into seeing Star Wars on opening day, that sort of thing. We, we do that. Uh, Avengers, a lot of the Marvel stuff. Sure. And But all that stuff that, that doesn't in, involve things blowing up, I think you can wait and see on, on Netflix. I think that's probably true. Uh We'll move over to the food industry. J.M. Smucker is buying pet food maker Ainsworth Pet Nutrition for $1.9 billion in cash. Uh, shares of Smucker down ever so slightly, but I suppose that makes sense because they just wrote a check for nearly $2 billion. Yeah, the so Smucker's, which one might associate most with uh, the Smucker's uh, jams and jellies, and uh, they also have Jif. So they've got about... An even split in their three main uh, divisions of business, one being coffee, one being uh, pet food, and one being consumer food. And consumer food, probably uh, people know Smuckers to be doing. Uh, coffee is, is brands that people know, Folgers and Dunkin' Donuts uh, retail brands. Not the Dunkin' Donuts coffee that you get at Dunkin' Donuts, but the packaged coffee that you buy in the, in the stores and K-Cups and things like that. Uh, and then pet food. And each one of those three things is almost identical in terms of size and the contribution to the sales of the company. Uh, going into today, this uh, new acquisition is going to change that. And it's going to be, uh, while it is, I think, the largest packaged coffee seller in the U.S., uh, it's... It, I don't know where it ranks in terms of, of pet food, but the pet food uh, division has grown far faster than the other the other things, and that's indicative of well, Americans just being willing to spend more on their pets than themselves. So, is is part of the case for a, a business like this? I mean, we we've talked before about Pepsi, which owns not just obviously the Pepsi line of beverages, but Frito Lay and all of the snacks there, and one of the advantages that Pepsi has when they are dealing with grocery chains and convenience stores and that sort of thing is the, uh, the ability to acquire shelf space because they have uh, all of these different things that they can offer. Is it is it a similar value proposition for a company like Smucker that it's like, okay, we're already dealing with grocery stores and, con- well, I guess it's more grocery stores than it would be convenience stores uh, in terms of pet food, but we already have the relationships there. And now we've got this new line of pet food that we want to get into the grocery stores as well. Yes, and it's also indicative of the fact that more uh, pet food is sold online uh, than you know a package of coffee or a, a jar of peanut butter. And as uh, and they're going to where the the sales are growing, and it's not just. So it's sort of three different parts to why this acquisition might make sense. One is the pet food category is growing. Uh, the specific uh, element or the specific kind of pet food that they're acquiring here is the higher end pet food they acquired. I think it was Big Heart Brands um, a 
couple of years ago, and that that's the majority of their pet food sales, I think. So this Ainsworth, uh, which is best known for the Rachel Ray Nutrish line, is higher end pet food. You wouldn't know anything about this because you don't have pets, but you can no. spend, you know, the normal amount of money on your pet food, or you can spend lots and lots of money on your pet food. If you truly care about your pets, you're going to do the latter. Uh, that's that's how the marketing would go. Yes. <laughs> So Rachel Ray would encourage you to spend lots of money uh, on pet food and get you know organic or, or gourmet or or you know sort of that that sort of thing, uh, and and that's where they're going, and then also the the um, higher sales online than than their other things. So here's the part of the Smucker story today that I don't quite understand, which is that so they announced this deal, and then separately Smucker says. They're looking to sell their baking business, which includes several brands, one of which is Pillsbury. Doesn't General yes. Mills own Pillsbury? Pillsbury is, is by. Um, it, it, Pillsbury works, uh, the Pillsbury Doughboy uh, has a two company loyalty. So the baked goods are currently with Smuckers, and the frozen and refrigerated Pillsbury goods are with General Mills. So. Yeah. So does the Pillsbury Doughboy, much like Jack Dorsey is the CEO of Twitter and Square, the mobile payment company, does the Pillsbury Doughboy split his time between General Mills and Smucker? It's either that we we don't know yet, or there's a clone. Wow. I mean, we don't know. There's a lot of speculation as to which it may be, and it's very hard to prove and because neither, they're identical. Neither General Mills nor Smucker has ever gone on the record. We don't know why they're not answering questions about the potential of the Pillsbury Doughboy being cloned. We just know that they're not responding. We know that they have not denied it. Right. They're neither going to confirm nor deny. And uh, so the reason why the the, the Pillsbury Doughboy was split into two, and and the goods were split into two. Is when General Mills acquired Pillsbury back in early '90s, I want to say. Uh, the antitrust uh, required this uh, this division, so that because was Pillsbury is just such a massive. <laughs> General Mills combined with Pillsbury was unstoppable, much like uh, the much the, like Google is now, much like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Patterned on on the Pillsbury Doughboy yep. was unstoppable, or so you know, so it appeared. Yeah, it very much appeared that way. Appeared that way until the lines were crossed. Yeah, and yeah, then, and then you know, that that didn't work out so well for the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Um, Do you want to explain any of that to, to those that <laughs> don't know for those who haven't details? seen the original Ghostbusters? Uh, yeah, I, I believe that uh, in the original Ghostbusters, spoiler alert, um, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Uh, at the end of the movie, I, I believe they wanted to get the Pillsbury Doughboy, and Pillsbury said no. I think I read this um, because we're just down the street from the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, and they've got a museum there. And I, I believe I read that in the museum, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure on that. But I'm pretty sure I'm right that they tr- that they that the filmmakers tried to get Pillsbury, like, hey, would you let us uh, blow up? Um, uh, I don't know a 500 foot tall uh, Pillsbury Doughboy, and, and Pillsbury was like, "No, we don't want to do that. Well, we, we don't want a gigantic evil Pillsbury right. Doughboy <laughs> running amok over New York City. That's going to be bad for our brand." And and maybe it would have been, or maybe it would have been a brilliant 
move on their part. Right. And we haven't we haven't finished selling you on the idea. The Pillsbury Doughboy is going to be the embodiment of all evil and destruction that is brought forth from this hell being and and embodied by the Pillsbury Doughboy. Now, what do you think? Now, now can we do this? Still, yeah. it's, it's, you know it's still a no. When you, when you put it that way, then yeah, it, it, it probably makes sense. Can I just mention one thing, getting back to the uh, the Rachel Ray Nutrish brand? Sure. Uh, that my, I just want to mention that my, my daughter uh, has a uh, um, stuffed animal, an Eagle Ray, uh, her favorite stuffed animal, which is named Rachel Ray. I think she's the only what, girl What's an Eagle in Ray? Oh, it's like a manta ray. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did someone cross-pollinate uh, an, an eagle with a manta ray? I don't, I'm not the one that names animals. <laughs> we just got this uh, eagle ray, stuffed eagle ray. She chose it out uh, when she was very young, and uh, and it was just called, uh, you know, eagle ray for a while, or ray. And I said, why don't we, why don't we call it Rachel? And then it, then it became Rachel Ray. And it stuck. Yeah. Nice. She's the only, only girl in America whose favorite stuffed animal is a... <laughs> <laughs> an aquatic killer. Uh, all right, the story that I mentioned at the top, that uh, as soon as this news broke, there were people uh, on Twitter hitting me up uh, and emailing saying, you, you, you're going to get Bill Barker in the studio and talk about the, the coffee thing, aren't you? And yes, of course we are. Um, if you haven't heard... They this, wanted my legal insights, right? Believe me, of the two of us, you're the one who comes closest to actually being a lawyer. and uh, Very gonna, close. We're going to get your legal insights. So for those who haven't heard, this was uh, about a week ago that uh, a California judge ruled that coffee sellers in the state of California um, had to include a cancer warning label on, on the coffee. And uh, the National Coffee Association, um, which is really doing God's work, um, and their members uh, include obviously the likes of Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts and others. Um, they are they are exploring the proverbial all legal options uh, to fight this. Uh, I, I'm not even sure where to begin here. I mean, as both a it's someone who went to law school, served as a lawyer for a bunch of years. And one of the most pro-coffee people I know, when you saw this story, did you, did you think, okay, this isn't going to hold up? Or did you think, I would actually be a little bit worried if I were Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, and the rest? Well, I, all right. So, I don't know how to answer that yet, but here's what happened, at least from what I can tell, because I haven't had a chance to read the judge's actual ruling. But many years ago, uh, California came up with Prop whatever it was. I want to say 62 because I want to make up a number. And um, determined that there were a whole bunch of chemicals that could be found in in foods and, and liquids that are served, and that if they were present... Um, these are potentially cancerous, and you would have to at least provide a warning. And acrylamide is one of the things that is in coffee. It's not in dispute that it's in coffee. It's produced in the roasting process. It's very, 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 very little, and the lawyers would add 12 more berries to that, and that wouldn't help them win the case. But it it didn't help in in this case. It's there, and I don't know, again, because I haven't had a chance to read the ruling where the legal burden lies, but from what I read, it appears that the judge determined that it's a given that acrylamide is a cancerous agent, 
and it's on this list, and it's in coffee, and you, the coffee industry, or whoever was the actual defendant in this uh, case, uh, have not proven that uh, coffee does not have a sufficient amount of it for there to be a cancer concern, and therefore you have to follow the law and provide a warning when you are serving it. Uh, and I, 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 you know, that's not normally where the, the burden of proof lies. Uh, so I don't, I don't want to say that I'm providing all the legal uh, niceties here. But at, at at any rate, I think that either the law could be revisited, or uh, upon review, uh, there could be a uh, you know pursuit that the law is being misapplied here, given the remote. Uh, Amounts that are that are present in coffee, um, but we, you know we'll see. And in the meantime, of course, the companies that serve coffee in the state could protect themselves as they do already. I, the last time that I was in California and got coffee, I believe I took a picture of the warning, and this was years ago. Uh, maybe four or five years ago is the last time I had the opportunity to be there, and there were warnings about some aspect of of the coffee that I was is being served at Starbucks, and I think I took a picture of it and may have sent it to you. I, I, like, here's the craziness that is going on in California, and that was that was years ago. Yeah, I mean, pretty much all of the email that you send me goes straight to my spam folder. So, right. That. Um, by the way, well done on uh, uh, Prop 62. You were close. It was Proposition 65. So, so you were re- you were in the ballpark. Yeah. Uh, in terms of which proposition. Um, I was hoping I was further off because I was going, <laughs> was going for more of a comedic take there. For, for the, for <laughs> I didn't think anybody was going to fact check me. For that one, I'm always hoping nobody's going to fact check. For me that on this one show. listener in California who just when 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 he or she heard you say Prop 62, they instantly were like, "Come on, it's Prop 65." So I was Everybody listening to it. the uh, um, PTI show uh, that you recommended to me. Pardon the interruption. Uh, well, the the Origins podcast oh, yeah. on it. Yes, and was reminded about the the fact checker that they have on their show. Have you ever thought about having that you stat know? boy? Stat boy at the end of the show to chime in and and who would who do you think would suffer the most from that? The listeners would suffer the most <laughs> for that without question. Um, want to say thanks again to TurboTax Live, which is new from TurboTax. Now you can get a personal review of your tax return with a CPA or an EA, which stands for Enrolled Agent. You can get the review right on your screen. You can quickly connect to a tax expert via one-way video as often as you need for answers and advice on your taxes. You can even have an expert review your return before you file. Make any necessary changes, and it is all backed with a 100% accuracy guarantee. These are all good things because you just don't... I've said it before. When Uncle Sam comes knocking on your front door, it's not so he can give you candy and flowers. And uh, that is absolutely true of the IRS. So, file with complete confidence. Connect with a TurboTax Live expert today at TurboTaxLive.com slash fool. Speaking of taxes. Speaking of taxes. This is uh, a a little-known anniversary in fool history. This is, uh, and it's it's so little-known, I didn't know about it until you reminded me of it. Uh, You sent me an article. This is, what, the 11-year anniversary of, of one of the more, uh, what, insert your adjective here, um, One of the least celebrated articles I ever wrote. 
Let's go with that. Um, with Which a, is why the anniversary is not particularly well known. Right, but it does relate to taxes, and it is a killer headline. Well, all right. So what? So the reason this came up is that yesterday, um, the Planet Money podcast rebroadcast a, an episode on. Um, let me just Larry uh, Williams. Larry Williams. And once upon a time, I wrote an article uh, called uh, "The Ultimate Buy Signal." And in by the way, who's not clicking on that headline? That's why I wrote it. <laughs> It was one of these things uh, I participated in, uh, come up with a good headline and then find something worthwhile to say beneath the good headline. And and so I did that. And the ultimate buy signal, in part, discussed something that I found in researching that phrase, ultimate buy signal, which is the ultimate oscillator, which is developed by Larry Williams, who is better known for having tried to get out of paying taxes for uh quite a while. And this Planet Money episode uh, went into that. And you can go and listen to Planet Money from yesterday and, and find out the whole story there. I would argue that Larry Williams is, at this point in time, better known for being the father of Michelle Williams, the award-winning actress. You could argue that, or you could argue that he's better known for having run twice for a senator from the great state of Montana and, and having once gotten 44% of the vote. Or you might argue that he's better known for having searched for Noah's Ark. I don't know what you would say. He's led a rich life. Or you, There's a lot going on there's there. There's a lot going ways. on there. I recommend I recommend the podcast. And, and interestingly enough, I wrote this article, and it uh, appears as one of the sources of information on the Wikipedia page about the ultimate oscillator today, which is uh, fun to, to discover in going back and looking over your, your work from 11 so, years ago. So, we were chatting about this earlier, and you pointed out something that I was unaware of. Um, I'm, I'm familiar with the phrase, uh, and, and probably a bunch of people are familiar with the phrase, um, uh, ignorance of the law is, is no excuse. Um, but as you pointed out, that when it comes to the world of taxes, uh, ignorance of taxes can sometimes be a pretty good excuse. Well, it's no excuse not to pay them, but it's an excuse not to be imprisoned for not understanding your obligation to pay the taxes. And I would say that he had some pretty good lawyering to get him out of. So he just determined, and you can listen to the story as to what, how he determined this might be the case, that he had no obligation to pay federal income taxes at all. Uh, and I think everybody is aware, or should be, that they have to pay their taxes, which is one of the reasons why TurboTax is, um, you know, the sponsor today is is reminding people of that obligation, which is coming up. And so, it, the but the tax code is detailed enough that whereas if you, for instance, murder somebody, you don't get to say I was unaware <laughs> that murder was illegal. Or you very, I was unaware that I'm not allowed to drive drunk. Right? You just, hey, too bad. Your your lack of knowledge about the laws is not something that gets you out of serving jail time for breaking it. Uh, but it does help uh, it, in determining uh, whether you have criminally broken the, the tax laws uh, when you fail to pay taxes, because it is a very complicated tax code that we have, and nobody can know everything there. And if they fail to pay their tax or part of their taxes because they're ignorant of some obligation in the tax code, that does help. That is a defense in, in, uh, 
can be a defense in, in not serving jail time. I like that you um, gave a plug for Planet Money because if, if it's one thing Planet Money needs is, is promotion from us. Well, maybe maybe they'll. I, I think so. You know, we were just before we came in here. Bill Mann was cutting a little spot for Marketplace, so we Market, kind of owe them. He was, you know, he was taping an interview for Marketplace Weekend. By the way, no, those are those are different entities. Marketplace and and Planet Money are are, are completely separate. But they're aware that we confuse all of them. Anything that is on on NPR and APR and PRI, uh, you know, it's it's all the public. Radio. It's all this American Life uh, NPR Marketplace. Exactly. The whole thing. Um, here's something. I'll they're give all up. good friends with each other. And we're happy, to- <laughs> right? Yeah, this, yeah. It's 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 a it's a big love in between all the public radio entities. They're not in competition with each other at all. <laughs> um, here's something I'll give a plug to, which is this weekend on Motley Fool Money. Um, our guest is Charles Duhigg, best-selling author, Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter. Uh, I taped an interview with him this morning. Uh, such a smart guy, and and always great to get insights from him. So uh, that's this weekend. Uh, Bill Barker from Motley Fool Asset Management. Thanks for being here. I feel like the one thing we failed to do was plug how healthy coffee is for you. That people wanted to hear that, perhaps, again from us. And, and, and just be reassured that despite this little blip from California, the vast body of evidence continues to show that the healthiest thing you can do um, beyond eating, beyond sleeping, beyond meditating, beyond really anything is to drink coffee all day long. My reaction when I saw the news break, it actually was, ah, this isn't going to last. Because coffee is so incredibly healthy. It is backed up by so much science. There's no way this ruling by the California judge doesn't get overturned. Because, I mean, it's just nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, big coffee is coming. As it should. As it should. I mean, you might as well say um, big healthy insights for Every living human being is coming because that's what's coming. Yeah, uh, coffee is kind of like Omar. Coffee is the healthiest vegetable out there. I think that's probably true. Yeah, whether it's a vegetable or not, it's it's not. But you it's know, not. It, it's a it's a bean, right? Aren't beans vegetables? Are they legumes? Well, green beans are vegetables. Are, are they? Uh, I don't know. I think that uh, coffee is not. Coffee should be categorized as a vegetable, although it should be categorized as a meat in terms of its deliciousness. To go back to your comment about pardon the interruption, if we had a stat boy on this show, we'd have to give that person a a good solid 10 minutes at the end of the show just to correct everything we're getting wrong. (laughs) Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Heather Horton. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.